Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Thank you, JJ, and thank you to my listeners all over the world. I am so excited every time I get to interview somebody on Never Ever Give Up Hope. We, there are no limits to the subjects that we share on this program, and I'm so happy that so many diverse subjects come up, everything ranging from people who feel hopeless whether it's in a marriage situation or a financial situation or a crisis as far as their health, uh, a family crisis, any number of things that happen in our lives and no one is immune to when we are feeling hopeless. And the exciting part about this show is that my guests have stories that not only many of you can relate to, but also their stories tell us that they did survive, that there is hope, that they are now better than ever. And that is the message that this program has. And so I thank my listeners and, of course, I thank my guests. Each one is unique and has an incredible story to share with tips and books and other sources of helps that I know is exciting for each of us. Never Ever Give Up Hope is now in over 120 countries, and it's exciting to know that people from all over the world are seeking out programs like this one for learning how to cope and learning that there is never ever a hopeless situation that we can't somehow overcome, and that's the message. Thank you to all of you. Today with me, I have Kristen Carreran, a relational expert with a master's in counseling, and she is the founder of Carreran Mediation Services. Now, she educates the public by providing resources that can help people who are going through divorce, a subject that we don't often talk about and not often on this show, and specializes in helping people adjust to and lead happier lives. There are many times, I'm sure, that people who are going through a divorce feel that their lives are over, depending upon what side of the divorce issue you're on. And I know that Kristen is going to be able to encourage the listeners today that may be going through that or know someone that is. And so I really appreciate her sharing her expertise on Never Ever Give Up Hope. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me, Carol. I really appreciate it. You said in your bio that you were trained for this job your whole life. Yes, I was. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I think that's that's very often the case. And 
it's amazing because when you're going through things, you wonder how in the world is this going to play out? And then you, in hindsight, look back and say, wow, I was being prepared. So yeah. I know I know you're going to share that with us. And you share your story of divorce because you want to help people who are looking for answers and they're okay. looking for support. But before we talk about that in particular, why don't you talk to us about your growing up years leading yeah. up to your marriage? Yeah, um, I actually have a um, very interesting background, and I didn't know it was interesting until (laughs) I was a um, kindergartner in school, and I got pulled into the counselor's office, and she had to get out a pencil and a paper and ask me a million questions to even, as an adult, understand my family of origin. And at that moment, I knew that I was different. And um, just uh, a lot of my history, um, I I learned from stories. And how I came about, which I learned through the grapevine, is that my parents had a seven-year affair. My dad was married to his high school sweetheart and um, met my mom and Um, was with her for seven years until they got pregnant with me. And he still didn't get a divorce at that point. I had um, five other brothers and sisters that were at least 11 years older than me. And him and my mom didn't really get married until I was three years old. And up to that point, I was actually a secret from my brothers and sisters. Oh, my goodness. So that's how I came to be. And then my parents got married, and they were married for seven years. During that seven years, it was a very abusive situation physically and emotionally. I don't know if you know what gaslighting is. Have you ever heard that term? No, I haven't. Yeah, Gaslighting is when you're in a situation with somebody that's mentally abusive and they actually start to make you feel like you're crazy or you're wrong. Uh. And, yeah, and that's something that um, everybody in my family has experienced, uh, my mother and pretty much anybody in association with my father. Um, but it makes you have an extreme lack of self-esteem because you're always questioning yourself and of it course. causes you. Yeah, it causes you to be dependent on someone else. And like you um, said earlier about my my dependence on my marriage, um, my first marriage, well, I went with what I knew, you know? Of course, yes. So tell us about that. I got married. Well, I met my um, ex-husband when I was 19, just getting ready to turn 20. And he was 13 years older than me, which follows the trend in my family. Everybody was, you know, at least 11 years older than me. So the man that I found was 13 <laughs> years older. You know, you go with what you know. And um, he was already um, established and um, not wealthy, but, you know, well off. He was 32, 33 years old and saving money, very intelligent. He was a kind man. He wasn't abusive the way my father was, so I thought I really upgraded. But it was that (laughs) dependence on him that I had replicated. And then just as anybody else does, I played out the roles that I was taught as a child in my marriage. So by no means is our divorce his fault or my fault. It's just the clashing of our histories coming together in a way that we just weren't 
really aware of or ready to handle. And so at what point did you, were you the one that ended the the marriage then or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. We had been married about eight years and <clears throat> he really hadn't changed his schedule or the way he did things um, since the day we met. He went out with his friends. He went on trips with them. He had lots of what we call in our culture guys trips or guy clients, you know. And um, he encouraged me to do the same, and I did. And um, You were living separate lives. We were living, yeah, essentially we were living separate lives. I had no responsibilities as far as anything that you could imagine as an adult or what I'm handling now. So, you know, my name wasn't even on the house or the car or anything, nothing. And basically I had no really ties except emotionally. And eventually I bought into what he said and I, I was unfaithful. And then I asked for a divorce because I just, that's not who I am. I can't live like that. And how did he respond? He went to soccer. He did. I told him I wanted a divorce and he didn't believe me. He went to soccer. And that's just a prime example of how seriously I've been taken my whole life, which is not very. Now, you were going through self-esteem issues right from, like you mentioned, you know, at a very early age. How did this play into that? My self-esteem issues? Yes. Oh, huge. You know, I I always thought in my soul that I had more of a purpose than folding laundry and wiping butts. I felt like I had I had to have something in me, but I was so dependent on everybody. I was too scared to really do anything about it. So I allowed him to take care of me and I helped put my husband in that position to take care of me. And it it worked for a long time. But um, one day I just, I I couldn't take it anymore with all the messages around me, mainly the culture that we live in now. Mothers are, are in the workforce and independent women and having their own bank accounts and stuff. And I was living in the 40s and with the messages from our culture and everything, I was like, what am I? I mean, I have to be more than this. And and I'm not happy, and, and it took a lot of guts to say, I'm not happy, and I want out. Now, you said he responded by going to soccer, but what happened after that? Because you are now dealing with this in your uh, expert in uh, technical ways, right? Right. In counseling. So mm-hmm. what what happened there that... Um, you know, was in, was encouraging you to maintain your position and not give in to what was obviously his lack of uh, concern. And just walk us through that, how, how you overcame those issues. I had... I had tried to speak up in very non-confrontational ways for so long that I had enough information gathered to reinforce the idea that this marriage wasn't ever going to change and he didn't want it to change. And part of it was cultural. So he did come home and he said, okay, you must be serious. How are we going to do this? What do you want? And I had my whole family telling me, that he did everything. He took care of everything. You don't do anything. 
And so I said, I want three things. I want a lump sum so that I can put a house over our children's head. I want child support so that I can have some money to support them. I want my name on my car so that I can leave with that. And then I had um, probably hundreds of thousands of dollars of jewelry that I had been given to me at the age of 24, and I gave it all back. I said, (laughs) I'm going to prove, leave it to me to give it back, right? I said, (laughs) I was on a mission. I was going to prove that I was worth something and that I didn't need anybody. So... Shame on me, right? <laughs> no, you were making a, you were stating your position and, and holding firm. Well, but, you know, people think I'm crazy for doing all that, but you know, those are the same people that were telling me that he does everything, and I was just like, I am not this worthless. This, there is no way, as a human being, as somebody who's attained a master's level education, that I am this worthless. Come on. Now, you had children involved, and as yeah. again, as a counselor, how did you, you must have thought about this before you took the step, and how did you prepare your children for this? You know, coming from the situation that I came from, I knew that nothing that they were going to experience would even be close to what I had to endure, because my dad, you know, kidnapped me from a Halloween party, and used me as a pawn and mom would tell me how bad dad was and they still play they put me in the middle still wow. to this day and um I knew that they wouldn't have to endure that so honestly as somebody getting ready to go through a divorce my my thought was they'll adjust but as a therapist at that point I was um I, I had my education I hadn't worked yet, but I used my resources that I knew were available. So I had my oldest, the youngest was like three years old. So, but I had my oldest meet with the school counselor once a week. I insisted that he have a older child in his school, um, be his mentor that he met with once a week. And I, um, just talked to him about it. Like I I tell all my clients now, I say bedtime is the perfect time to talk about things with your child and um, in like a very casual way so that you can hear their feelings, normalize them and tell them that it's going to be okay. Um, So I I think I just talked to them and my parents didn't Mm, really talk to me. They just played me off the other. So So communication is what you're saying was key. And it is key, of course, with all these things that we're going to talk about today. Mm -hmm. Now, how, how did you begin to believe in yourself and turn that around? What tools did you have or resources? Because people didn't believe in you. No, and, they didn't. And, and you had to to literally teach yourself how to believe in you. So tell us a little bit if you can. Yeah, I gave myself no choice. <laughs> okay, that's a good I answer. Said, I said to myself, self, you have to believe in yourself because you you aren't going to survive any other way. So I would 
I said that to myself and then I would start to set myself up for success. So what I did actually before I got a divorce was I, um, of course, we talked about self-esteem issues. I uh, got certified to be a Zumba instructor and I started at the back of the class wearing, you know, baggy gym clothes, um, sweatpants, and I moved up row by row, eventually got certified and taught the class for six months to a year. And it sounds frivolous, but it got me out of my shell. And when, Mm. when you're terrified and you think you're nothing standing in front of a Zumba class, learning routines, showing up weekly is a big deal. And so I did that. I had success to this day. Everybody's like, Oh, Kristen, are you going to teach today? And I say, no, I I have a big girl job now. (laughs) (laughs) But I did that. um, And then I worked myself into personal training. Also, before I got a divorce, I was I was setting myself up. And then um, then I just started to associate myself with people that made me feel good about myself. Um, I think self-esteem has a lot to do with what's inside, but also what messages you're receiving from your peers. And and if you surround yourself with people that love you, that you respect, and they're telling you that you can do it, then you can. So I have some really good girlfriends that that have supported me a lot. That's so important. And it's really a blessing, isn't it, to have that uh, sounding board, if nothing else, right? Yeah. So let's talk about your your website, your counseling services, what you offer. Give us some examples. Just run with it and and uh, tell tell us what you're offering people now in this area. Yeah. So my website is begintalking dot com, um, and I offer um, divorce counseling. Like they're deciding on a divorce, I can help them emotionally through that or even post-divorce. I absolutely love post-divorce counseling because you're not tied to the person anymore, but you still have to co-parent with them Mm. or parallel parent. Um, And you, when you do post-divorce counseling, you can be so much more honest, but you can do it in a nice way where everyone learns from the situation. And from that learning, you can protect yourself from making the same mistakes and also from hurting the children and um, or making up your own stories in your head, too. That happens a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also offer mediation and I and I do that with a lawyer. So it's a co-mediation type of situation where the clients are getting the best of both worlds as they have someone who is an expert um, in the legal system, but also someone who's an expert with emotions and processing and slowing things down so that that can be talked about while making decisions, which is so important. And um, what else do I offer? Just uh, I do individual counseling as well, but I really like um, the family stuff because it is, it's just so important. Have you ever had a case in or have you heard of anybody possibly as a mediator who have through mediation actually the couple decided to get back together? No. Really? Mm-hmm. So when when are you saying that? that it's not um, a mediation then 
is it strictly like a financial mediation and and custody, et cetera? It's not that you're trying to counsel people into um, maybe relooking at the marriage. Right. So maybe I should talk about how you can get a divorce. And there's four different ways you okay. can get a divorce. Uh, the first way is what we all know um, is litigation where you go to court and you fight through the grapevine with the lawyers and who should get what and you should do this or that or you deserve whatever. Okay. Um, you can get a kitchen table divorce where you print off the paperwork online and you fill it out yourselves and turn it in. You can um, do collaborative. Uh, that is, um, it's kind of like mediation, but there is a therapist who is an expert on the children. There's an attorney, and then there is a financial expert all helping the couple make decisions on how to go their separate ways. And then you have mediation in which you can co-mediate or um, you can just have one mediator. But basically what the couple does is they sit down together versus in litigation when they're where they're talking through the grapevine through lawyers. Right. They're sitting next to each other with a mediator or two mediators and talking about um, what they want their split to look like and you said it right they're talking about custody or we like to say time spent with children uh, we talk about who gets to make the decisions for the children we talk about assets liabilities and basically everything that you do in litigation the difference being is that the pair who have been partners for a long time get to sit together and make the decisions on their own, but also they can make creative decisions. So you don't have a judge making a decision for you. And um, the mediators help that process along because they understand the importance of emotions. And you can, if somebody's being stubborn, you can really get to the reason why? What what do you want out of this? And and they and people give and people the goal is to keep people out of court essentially. Do you do any pre uh, pre divorce or post divorce counseling with the children? Definitely. Um children are so fun. I have um my my undergrad is in education. K through six. And uh, my counseling degree is actually a school counseling degree. Uh, that's how I started anyway. And it is K through 12. So I've worked with kids a lot. And I absolutely think it's important for kiddos to come into counseling just to work through these emotions that they don't really understand. But um, it's really important that parents realize that they're going to be dealing with different sets of emotion at each stage. So it's important to have your kid in counseling when it happens and then maybe five years down the road and then maybe when they start dating themselves and then again around the time they're going to get married, which would be premarital counseling, which I also offer. So things change over time and it's important to talk about it and issues come up for kids as it as they become relevant for them. So if dad had an affair, does that mean my husband's going to have an affair on on me? And and things like that happen. So so you do you do all the counseling. It's it's a you're a family counselor as well. Then not just a mediator. Right. 
Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Fam- really, I should change my business name to Craren Family Services, and I actually might do that in the future. How have you grown through this? Oh wow, I I have grown a lot. It is such an honor to have people allow you into their private lives. Um, first of all, it's it's amazing how people sit on my couch and just open up. And it's humbling, too, because it's just so human. And um, it has made me realize that these problems that families have are universal. And there's a lot of people struggling out there. And we're not alone, you know. In, in the situation that I was brought up in, I say it's unique and it may be rare, but I'm not the only one. And um, and that's that's nice in a way that I I know I'm I have other people having the same experiences as me, and um, I realize how much I've developed through it. You probably, my guess, would be at, there was a point in your life when you realized that what you were going through could be a help to somebody else. Can you remember when you had that pivotal moment? You wanted to reach out because of your own situation. I think it's where I felt comfortable. I I think that I've lived in this paradigm or world or whatever you want to call it for so long. Like I said, it's what I know. And people are good at what they know. And, and it's just... It's still so normal to me when people are talking about a divorce. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, you're getting a divorce. Let's talk about this. And it's just like another day for me, you know, whereas my my ex-husband's mother had to go on Xanax because she was so shocked because no one had ever been through a divorce in their family. So it's all my fault, right? (laughs) Yeah, of course, always is. (laughs) So in other words, because you're comfortable with it, you create that atmosphere where others are comfortable, which is so important in counseling. Yeah. Yeah, I think there is an element of that. I am not surprised by anything mm-hmm. at all. So I have, you know, clients that have been really nervous about disclosing an affair. And I'm like, look, it's it feels terrible, but it's totally normal. And I... I I don't judge you. One of the reasons is because I've done it. So right, how right. could I? And I share that. I share a lot with my clients so that they know I'm a human being too. I am not Mother Teresa. And typically when you go see a therapist, it's not going to be Mother Teresa that you're seeing. That person is a therapist because they've been through some things. and Good they mm-hmm, Good And they point. have learned Basically, I learned how to communicate and how to have relationships out of books and through trial and error. So tell us um, a little more in depth of how you help people online, because the audience here is going to be mostly an online audience. So mm-hmm. what can what do you offer with your website? And just walk us through that. Um, I'm still developing my online presence. I can do um, counseling over Skype, which is beneficial to people who cannot travel Um, I got clients that live a couple hours away and they are very appreciative of my Skype sessions with them. I plan on offering some premarital counseling type products eventually 
that people can work through with their soon-to-be life partners and um, get ready for marriage. Some other things that I just haven't developed yet. The online presence is difficult for me. I'm I'm from the 90s, so I've been dragging my feet with with technology, but I'm catching up slowly here. And I'd also love to write a book about becoming a counselor um, mm-hmm. because there I don't think there are any books about that. And the hell that you get drugged through to become mm. a therapist is uh, it's a unique process, I think, because as therapists we grow and and change so much in our field and it's so we're so open about it and we talk to each other about it whereas if you were like a banker your your fellow bankers <laughs> don't care how you're feeling about this client on a certain day so what would your call to action be today for the listeners or any tips or anything that you might want to say in summary in summary i would say that if you're going through a divorce you need to go to therapy. If you are a parent, your children need to go to therapy. If you don't have the money, use the resources that are around you, like the school counselor or a teacher or an older child to help your children through the process because those are all free and it is something that can happen while they're at school so that you don't have to spend your time doing it, especially if you are a new single mother who is just getting into the workforce and and talk to people and get that help because it will take at least two to three years for you to get to a place where you feel normal again. A lot of people may think this happens overnight, but mm-hmm. there, it takes time to heal, to change, to to grow, to develop, you know, different ways of thinking and just your life in general. Right. And something else I would like to say to that is to research mediation in your area because It is an option for divorce, and it may end up being more cost-effective for you in the long run versus getting an attorney. Yes, I have just recently heard that, actually, from from another person, and Mm -hmm. I was not even aware that that was available. So that's um, good to know and to encourage people to to do that. And I think what, what you've covered today is you have options, that there are resources, and you're not alone in this. And there are therapists, like you mentioned, who have gone through what you may be going through. It's not just somebody sitting on a pedestal and, and mm-hmm. telling you what to do, but they have very often experience the same thing. And so they can come from a position of empathy, which in counseling is or in therapy is very important. Is it not? Well, uh, yeah, it's, it's the cornerstone of therapy would be empathy for sure. And I, you know, I wanted to add with that, that um, I am a plethora of information. And um, if anybody has any questions they need to ask me. I'm more than happy to spend five or 10 minutes on the phone answering questions, um, pointing people in the right direction. You know, what do they do with their kid? What are their options for this or that? So what we'll do then is you give me that information so that we can have that as an available resource. Um, and that, that's very gracious and generous of you, just so people can maybe get some direction 
as to okay. where to go, where to start, because I know, I, I mean, we all have seen people going through this this time in their lives when it can be very painful and they don't know which way to turn. And mm-hmm. this, this type of pain going through a divorce can very often be like a death, I mm-hmm. have heard, because you are... You know, you're ending something. Do you also counsel, I, I, I'm sure you must, counsel people who don't have children and going through a divorce as well? Because that's a whole different scenario, is it not? It is. And I find all of my clients have children. My assumption is that people who do not have children do not seek therapy, maybe because they don't think they need it. But the people who have kids are drawn to therapy because it's just so much harder with kids. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Kristen, for sharing that today. As I mentioned in the beginning, this is a subject that we haven't covered other than people talking about that they went through a divorce and, and sharing their experience. But right. it's wonderful to speak with someone who not only has been there, but also can offer so much. I, you, whoever, Whatever hard time you're going through, whoever you are, you will get through it. That's a message that needs to be made loud and clear because it it can be a hopeless thought. So you are offering that and the support as well. And as you said, there's no limits to what you can talk about. And I know that people uh, will appreciate that. So thank you, Kristen, for what you have shared and for your encouraging words. Even what you just said, you will make it. You'll get through. Tomorrow's a better day. Right. <laughs> and all those positive affirmations that go around this very negative or could be a very negative subject. Right. So thank you again so much for what you have shared. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be hearing more from you, I'm sure. Okay. Thank you, Carol. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.